A disciple is a follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we are thinking on things above. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we are putting his word into practice. These practices are called spiritual disciplines. As followers of Jesus, we make an effort to walk with others as we all walk with Jesus. All of this is done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Glad you guys are here today. My name is Drew. I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary. And we're in the middle of a two-part, or I'm sorry, four-part series, week two, on our discipleship pathway. And if you weren't here last week, just a brief overview of what that is. This is going to be a new tool that we use to help all of us make sure that we're paying attention to the life that we're living as we follow Jesus. And hopefully by putting some of these things into place in our lives, we will mature and grow into the people that God has created us and called us to be. Last week we talked about the category of learning and what we fill our minds with and wanting to make sure that while we do that, while we go about our day, that we are paying attention to what we're thinking about and also that we would think about God the way that Jesus thought about God. That the narratives that we have, the narratives that we put in place and that we live by would be accurate because everything that we think about affects the way that we live, the way that we act, some of the emotions that have all start in our mind. So we looked at passages of what it looks like to not conform anymore to the patterns of this world to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this week we're going to take a look at training. And I know that Thanksgiving is on Thursday, and so what better thing to talk about how we can practice loving and living like Jesus when we're going to be with the ones that we love the most, um, in some cases. So hopefully today would be helpful. Thank you for the little bit of a laugh. I appreciate that. Um, but today we're going to take a look at training and how do we live um, like Jesus lived. Our Monday morning application for last week was this. I encouraged you to go through and to read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and to read it slowly, to take time to, to meditate on it, to study. There are some tough teachings there that sometimes we just can't do with a quick glance over. We can't just take it, but we need to, to dig a little bit deeper, and I hope that you took the time to do that. And one of the things at the end of that, the reason that was part of what I wanted us to practice this week is I want us to pay attention to the very end of Matthew chapter 7. Because Jesus, as he's wrapping up this teaching, gives us some words that are going to propel us into this week and how we live. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to, or if you access it on your phone, however you want to, go ahead and get to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, 24 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it did not collapse because the foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them is like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and it pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. 
in high school and in college, um, I worked at a place called Carter Lee Lumber. And while I was there, this was my summer job. Again, I did it right after I graduated, and I did it one summer. Uh, I think it was after my sophomore year of college. And this was my job that reminded me when I didn't want to wake up and go to class, remember what you did over the summer. You don't want to work those hours forever, so get your butt up and go to class. That's what this job taught me. It was 60-hour work weeks where we were building trusses for houses. So we started at 6 a.m. It went to 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday as we tried to take advantage of the good weather. And at this particular job, um, I'm not very gifted with my hands in building things, so they didn't have me as a builder of the trusses. They had me as I stacked the wood as it come, came off the big saw machine. And my job was to, to stack the wood, to mark it, to organize it, and to send it to the builders. Well, in my training for that, um, I had a couple key things that I need to know. So the way it worked is there was this big saw that was probably the length of this stage, that was in the saw shop, and it was ran by a computer, and the computer rearranged the saws in the, in the different areas to cut the wood the way it needed to be cut to build the truss. And there was a man on the other side who was operating that. He had a sheet that said, this is the truss that we're going to cut for. I had the same list that had markings on it. So as the wood came out of the saw when it had already been cut, I had to identify that, yes, it was the right length. Sometimes I had to measure it, and then I had to mark it to make sure the builders knew it was marked correctly so that they could build the truss, truss the way it was supposed to be built. Then after I marked it, I had to stack it on this cart, which when they were little three-foot two-by-fours, that wasn't a big deal. When it was a 16-foot two-by-eight, that's a little bit different. And so I'd have to, they taught me how to bend the wood and to set it down and how it was important for us to make sure that we stacked the bigger pieces on the bottom and the lighter pieces on the top so it didn't come tumbling down. These were important parts of my training that I needed to know to do the job that I needed to do. Now, that, that knowledge is great, but had I not actually done what I was supposed to do, what good is the knowledge? It's good that I know that I need to mark the board. It's good that I know how to stack it, that I know how to mark it so that the builders can build it. But if I'm not actually going to put that into practice, if I'm not actually going to do what I know, then it's not valuable. And the same is true for us in our walk with Jesus. The two verses I want to pay attention to in this passage that, Jesus, that we get from Jesus is verses 24 and 26. In those passages, Jesus says that whoever hears these words and acts on them are wise, and those who don't are foolish. And that's one of the things that I think is one of the biggest areas, problem areas for us in the big C American church today is that we have more knowledge and information available to us than we've ever had in the history of the church. The history of the Bible, most of the time, if you look at the totality of the history of the Bible, most people couldn't read it. So they were oral stories that were passed down, or maybe there was a rabbi in town that knew how to read, or maybe there was people that, as it came down, but the fact that all of, in this, all of us in this room today can pick up our Bible, and more than likely we can read the words and understand what's on the page, is way different than most of the history of the Bible. And not only do we have that, but we have the internet now where we can search all kinds of things and get all kinds of extra information that we can learn more and more about the Bible. There's podcasts that we can listen to. There's commentaries that we can read. We are more informed now than we have ever been. And the beauty of that is we can still see that the Bible holds up to the test of time of knowledge. But what that's done for us is it's made discipleship to Jesus more about the knowledge that we have than obeying it. It's a knowledge-based discipleship, not an obedience-based discipleship. 
It's more about what you know. And if, I, if you know your Bible, that's good. But are you actually doing what it says? For example, we come to church here most Sundays. And you, we sit here and hear somebody stand up here and say some words that they've prepared that God has put on their heart. What do we do with that? Maybe we go to a small group and we're reading a book or we're at a Bible study and we're studying the Bible. and We, we study and we know what it says, but are we actually doing it? We listen to podcasts, we read books, and all of this stuff gives us and helps us increase our knowledge of who God is and how we live in his kingdom and how we follow him. But if we're not actually changing how we live, if we're not actually doing the things and obeying what it's called us to do, then what benefit is it? We are called to change. And discipleship for a long time was about obeying the word of God and has now turned to, well, do you know what the Bible says? And I know it, so let's move on to the next idea, next topic, next book. Well, that's great, but if we're not going to actually do it, maybe we should stay there. And until we're ready to do what it says, let's not move on to the next thing. But let's stay there and let's work on that to make sure that we are doers of the word. Back in 1886, D.L. Moody was doing a revival in Chicago. And during this revival, a young man stood up and gave this testimony as he gave his life to Christ. And as he was giving this testimony, the worship leader there was so moved by his testimony that he started to pin down some of the words that the man was saying. He wrote it in a letter and sent it to a Presbyterian minister that lived in Pennsylvania who had written some hymns, was a, was a poet at times, and he sent this to them. He said, I thought you would be encouraged and you would, be, and you would love the, the words of this testimony by this man at our last revival. So this pastor, John H. Hammis, took those words and pinned them into this little song or poem, and I think you'll be familiar with it. It goes like this. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. How many of you are familiar with that little song? That's, that is a song that we sing often. This is a song that I sing with my daughter, that my two-year-old daughter can sing the words along with me. So the words aren't difficult. It's easy to remember, but to actually apply it to our lives becomes difficult because we've come in a place where we're, for the most part, we've trusted God with our salvation. We've trusted God that he's forgiven us for our sins and that we are going to get to spend eternity with him. But one thing that we haven't been so good at, and I say we, is then obeying the things that he's asked us to obey. And in this testimony given by this man that was eventually pinned and turned into this little song, if we want to be happy in Jesus, there's no better way but to trust and obey. I think we can all agree with Jesus' teachings here that in this life there are going to be storms. We are going to experience trouble. And when we are people who are filling our minds with the words and the teachings of Jesus and then applying them to our life, it gives us a solid foundation for how we operate. I talk about this a lot in Discovering Calvary, but the way that we set up our Sunday mornings, when Daniel and Chris and myself go away to plan out our sermon series for the next six months, we want to make sure that we are giving everyone the best, to the best of our, our ability, a solid foundation. That we're giving good biblical teaching so that when the tough times of life come, that we have a solid foundation that we can hold tight in. When sickness happens, 
When a relationship strife occurs, when trust is broken, when the future looks unclear, we have a foundation that is in Christ, and that will sustain us. But to make that happen, not only do you have to know the words and hear the words, but you have to start to put the words into practice, which is why this next category that we're talking about today, training, is so valuable. If we're going to live like Jesus and be like Jesus, we need to do the things that Jesus did the things that we read about in Scripture. And this is primarily done through things that we call spiritual disciplines. And today I'm not going to go through a litany of what all of those are. That's not my goal for today. If this is something that you're not familiar with, I would encourage you if you go to the Info Hub, which is yourcalvary.info, and search our sermon series. For the last two summers, we've done sermon series six weeks on different spiritual disciplines. And I would encourage you to go listen to those, pick up, Um, Richard Foster's book on celebration of discipline. Talk to me. I'd be happy to give you some resources. But today is not the day to break down each individual discipline or practice, but to talk about the overall purpose of these practices in our life. The reality is this, that we are the summation of our habits. I'm going to say that again, chew on that for a second. We are the summation of our habits. Our habits as creatures, we are creatures of habits. And the habits and the things that we do affect us and form us physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And most of the times, we don't pay attention to the habits or the things that we do. For example, think about what does your morning usually look like? What's the first thing you do in the morning? Maybe for some of us, we stumble out of bed, we go down, and we get a cup of coffee. Maybe for some of us, we get up, we change our clothes, we go exercise. Maybe some of us are woken by little children who are ready for our attention and are ready to eat breakfast. I don't know what your morning looks like, but I can almost guarantee one thing, that probably the first thing that you do in the morning is you grab your phone. There was a poll done in 2012, so this is seven years ago, that 90% of young people, 18 to 30, and if you think you're past that, remember, it's seven years ago, so now it's 25 to 37, okay, just to make sure everyone's on the same page. Most young people will say, because we can probably bet that, 18 to 37, reach for their phones to check texts, emails, and social media alerts before getting out of bed in the morning. That's a habit that probably most of us don't realize that's what we're doing. Most of the time it's this general thing, well, it's what my alarm's on. So I grab it, and as soon as I grab it, I turn off my alarm, and there's the whole notification of everything that happened while I was sleeping. And you may be thinking to yourself, here Drew goes again talking about our phones, and you've just turned me off. I would ask you to turn me back on again (laughs) because this is why. And yes, I am up here talking about our phones again, and I do this because I honestly don't think that we have a good understanding of the influence and the impact these little computers that we have in our pockets have on our lives. I think we just go through because it's just what we do, and we don't think about the impact that it has. But just that little thing of checking it first thing in the morning, this is why Daniel a few months back said, check in with God before you check in with the rest of the world. And why do we encourage all of us to do that, not to reach for our phones? It's because, one, we saw Jesus first thing in the morning get up early and go off to be alone with his father and to pray. And I think he did that. My view is that helped him understand his his calling. It understood and gave him confidence in his purpose. And it helped him align with who he was in his father's eyes. 
And the same is true and is available for us today. That if we choose to check in with God before we check in with the rest of the world, before we allow the stresses, before we allow work and relationships and all of these other things start to infiltrate our mind and decide how our day is going to go and inform us how we should live and all the stresses and all the things that goes on in our world, before we do that, let's check in remember that we have a Father who loves us, who delights in us. And when we live out of that posture, then we can start to live differently in the world. And you may be skeptical right now saying it's not that big of a deal. I can do that. It's fine. I've got control. But my encouragement is just try it. Buy a $5 alarm clock. Put it in your room. Put your phone in the kitchen. And first thing in the morning, do something other than grab your phone. Do it for the next month and just see the difference that it makes when you're not immediately, as soon as you're woke up, wake up stressed about what your day's going to look like today or what happened while you were sleeping. But take five minutes. Spend time in prayer with God. We need to train ourselves in the development of our habits. We live in a world that says we need more and more and more, so we should train ourselves in the ways of living with simplicity and contentment, 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. We live in a world that says we need to work as hard as we can and as much as we possibly can. We need to go, go, go. So maybe we need to train ourselves to keep the Sabbath, to take 24 hours out of the week to turn off our phones, disconnect, be present with the people that are around us, and rest. We live in a world that says, get and keep as much as you can for yourself. So maybe we need to train ourselves in generosity, James 2, 15 through 16. We live in a world now of constant noise. Everything grabbing for our attention, usually multiple things at the same time. So maybe we need to train ourselves to be able to sit still and be quiet so that we can hear the still, small voice of God. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. So do you see the need to put these things into practice? If we are going to live different than the world, if we are going to be intentional with how we live, it's small little adjustments that we can make of our habits that ultimately are going to affect how we live and how we are in this world so we don't conform anymore to the world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds and the renewing of our practices. The one thing that I want to be very clear before I go much further today is this. There is no way that we are or I am insinuating that we have to earn or do something for our salvation. Salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, God's grace, God's love for us is a free gift that we don't have to do anything for. We don't have to work our way to get there. That is a free gift that's offered for all of us. And when we accept that free gift, our sins from the past, present, and future are forgiven. We are free of that. That is a free gift. But my encouragement to us today and challenge is, but we still have to do something if we're going to be followers of Jesus. There still is something to be done. Now, as I said last week, during this series, you're going to get a good dose of Dallas Willard, who is a philosophy teacher and an author from Southern California who passed away a few years ago. And here's your Dallas Willard quote for this week. He says this, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, 
It's opposed to earning. So the grace that we get from God, yes, it is opposed to earning anything. But it doesn't mean that because of grace, we don't have to put any effort in. But if we are going to follow Jesus, if we are going to be his disciples, we have to do something. And there are things that we need to pay attention to in our lives to make sure that we are pursuing these things that God says we need to pursue, that are valuable for us to pursue, that when we pursue these things and put these practices into place, transformation is possible. This last week, uh, our um, counseling pastor, Reggie, had our devotion for our staff meeting. And he talked about this idea of how we need to pay attention to who we are becoming more than what we are doing. And how that paying attention to what we're doing will inform who we are becoming. Because we have a role to play in who we're, who we're becoming. We talked about this a little bit last week, that we want to be maturing in our faith. We want to be growing in our faith. We want to be becoming followers of Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we need to start, we have a role to play. We can't just say, well, I made this decision and I am who I am. No, there's a challenge for us to change. Dallas Willard puts it like this, that it should be our goal as followers of Jesus to become persons in whom God can entrust more and more of his kingdom too. That in our maturity, God wants to give us the keys to his kingdom. He wants to entrust more and more of his kingdom that we, pray, that we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. He wants to do that on earth as it is in heaven through us, but we have to have the character to be able to handle it. And that comes with training and with practice. And again, the ironic thing is this. There's a lot of times that when someone challenges us or encourages us to start to pay attention to how we're spiritually training, how we're practicing our faith, we kind of bow up a little bit. Don't tell, don't tell me how to do this. This is my personal relationship with the Lord. Don't tell me how to do this. But you know what? We'll pay for coaches to help us train to lose weight. We'll pay for coaches to help us get better at a passion or a hobby that we're at. We understand that if we're going to train for a race, that we got to invest with time, energy, and effort, that it's going to cost us something, and we're okay with that. We pay extra for those things. If we are going to be, if we're going to work on a craft, or be a better musician, or be a better artist, we pay for private lessons so that we can refine those skills, so that we can continue to get better, and we're okay with that. But for whatever reason, when we have brothers and sisters in Christ who come in and encourage us and challenge us to say, what extra attention are you paying to how you're living as Jesus called you to live? We get a little defensive, don't we? I'm guilty of that. We don't like people telling us what to do and how to live when it comes to that, but we'll train and we'll put all the effort in in so many other areas of our lives. And for what benefit? For earthly benefit more than likely. James, the brother of Jesus, in his letter says this, James 1, through 24, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. That seems ridiculous. Maybe that's why we're taking so many selfies nowadays, because we forget what we look like. 
But that seems ridiculous for us. And so the same way we need to be doing the work, doing God's word. We need to be putting it into practice. And our hope here at Calvary is that we will continue to provide more and more opportunities for you to train in Christ-likeness so that we can live as Jesus lived, so that you can flex your spiritual muscle more and more when situations, good or bad, start to arise in your life. That we are becoming people of love, peace, hope in a world that's full of hate, anger, and despair. This is why we give you a Monday morning application every week. And just to clue you in a little bit, it's not just for Mondays. But it's a way of taking what you've heard and hopefully what the Holy Spirit has taught to you while you're here and put it into practice throughout the rest of the week. That then when you start to put it into practice the rest of the week, you see the benefit of that and you start doing it on a daily basis. More and more. So our Monday morning application that I hope you will do more than just on Monday is this. Identify an area in your spiritual life that you would like to grow in or improve in. And pick a practice that will help you train to become more like Jesus. So I've got a couple examples up here for us. Um, And I heard it was a little bit distracting, so I'll cover it now. So I I mistyped. This says self-centeredness. Hopefully we're not striving to be self-centered. So it should say other-centeredness. So as you're taking notes, we want to make sure that we are other-centered, not self-centered. So we'll get there. Don't let that be distracting now. We'll cover that here in a second. But just so you know, I made a mistake. I apologize. First of all, rest. This last week, I was watching an episode of Parks and Rec. Do we have any Parks and Rec fans in the house? Parks and Rec is a show that was on NBC, it's on Prime, it's on Netflix, all those things, you can find it there. And there's a character in it, the lead character is Leslie Nope. And Leslie Nope is a workaholic that works all the time, she's full of energy, full of all this stuff. And in season three, they throw this big harvest fest, and it's a huge success. Brings in a whole bunch of money, all the eyes are on the parks department. So coming up after that, they need to come up with another thing. They can't just be a one-hit wonder. And so she's striving, and she can't come up with anything to do. So her and her team go away for a camping trip to try to get inspired. And while they're on this camping trip, that's not working out, so they end up checking into a bed and breakfast. While at the bed and breakfast, one of her coworkers, Ron, realizes that she is not doing well, so he puts her in a room, shuts the door, locks it, and guards it so that she's forced to sleep. She wakes up after this. She comes into the meeting that they're having after this and comes in, her, her words are this when she walks in. I just slept for seven hours, which is twice as much as what I normally sleep. And I'm full of ideas. So sit down and let's start taking some notes. Maybe you can identify with Leslie Nope today. Maybe you are so tired that you are not operating on all cylinders because you just need to take a break and rest. I would encourage you this week to take a Sabbath. Take 24 hours. Disconnect. Rest. Maybe for you it's just waking up first thing in the morning leaving that phone alone, grabbing a cup of coffee or tea, and sitting in the quiet by yourself, just you and God. Maybe for you, for rest, you need to simplify your life. you got too many things going on. you got too many plates you're trying to balance, and because of that, there's no time. There's this constant hurry and restlessness in your gut because you have so much to do. This week, simplify your schedule so that you can be more present to God. Maybe for you, you go throughout your day and God is on the back burner and you want to try to move him to the front burner. To be able to do that, we want to be 
someone who maybe you pay attention to your prayer life a little bit more. I would encourage you to get your phone out. Here's a good part of the phone. Set an alarm on it for three times a day for it to buzz to remind you to pray. And you will be surprised after a while, you won't need the phone to buzz anymore because you will become a person who prays because of the habit that you formed. Maybe for you, you want to study God's word more. Maybe for you, worship. K-Love isn't doing it for you. You need some new worship music, something that you can engage in while you're driving, while you're exercising, while you're fixing dinner. We post all of our worship sets, the songs that we sing on our info hub that you can go. So if there's a song that you like that we've done, go there, find it, download it, allow it to help you worship God throughout your whole week. Maybe for you, you need to be others-centered. So for you to go out of your way to serve somebody this week. Or maybe submission is a good practice that you need to put into your life. And it means that you don't get the last word in every conversation that you have. You think that's silly, try it. You don't get the last word, but you submit. Maybe for you it's fasting. You fast from something because we become a people who get everything we want when we want it. So to intentionally take something away that we don't get to engage in, whether it be food or something else that we go to often, it starts to get us used to, it trains us into being uncomfortable and learning to live uncomfortably, which is not something that we usually strive for. I would encourage you this week, start to put some of these practices, start to train. A couple questions. Who are you becoming? What training exercises do you need to put or take out of your daily or weekly routines to help you be the people that, and the person that God has created you to be? How do we live as God has created us to live? We need to be people who are, are being intentional with the things that we think and that we dwell upon. We need to be people who don't just hear the word, but that we do the word. We put them into practice. We need to be wise people with a firm foundation. We need to train in godliness. Eugene Peterson, in his message translation of the Bible, if you're not familiar with it, it's a translation that he did um, where it's a translation where there's some modern-day language. And I love how he translates 1 Timothy 4.8. It's not going to be on the screen, so if you want to put it down, 1 Timothy 4.8 in the message version says this. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in gymnasiums are useful. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both for today and forever. You can count on this. So take heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the resources that are available to us so that we can study your word, so that we can have more information and more knowledge than we've ever had in human history, Lord. But help us not to be people who just know your word and don't put it into practice. Lord, we want to have a firm foundation because we know that things in this life are going to get difficult, that we are going to go through tough times, that there are going to be times when we are in the midst of a storm and our hope is that we have you as our foundation to sustain us in the midst of that. 
So I pray right now as your Holy Spirit has been working so far today, Lord, that you would continue to work and move and that we would take the things that the Holy Spirit is bringing to our mind or putting on our heart and we wouldn't forget those, Lord, but that we would be able to put those into practice. That we would take an honest assessment of where we want to go, who we want to be, how we want to grow, and that we would start taking steps towards that in obedience to your word. Give us a passion for living as you lived. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.